Hey listeners, you're tuning in to a podcast about kids in the hall that easily veers off into mature subject matter and includes a whole heck of a lot of swearing. Enjoy the show, eh? Welcome to Kith and Tell, a podcast about kids in the hall that mines the depths of our childhood trauma for laughs and gags. <laughs> we'll be reviewing every episode. <laughs> wow, that landed like a lead balloon. I know, uh, but that's even better for me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've dunked on me for just saying a, a podcast about kids in the hall, but like, if you just say a really bad joke, that's worse to me, I think. <laughs> oh. No, I, I was referencing a, a certain sketch in this episode. But, anyway. um, but it did not land. Yeah, clearly not. I liked it. Well, thank you. We'll be reviewing every episode with witty banter and unmissable segments like which animal mask would you wear to a robbery? Ooh. And who wore it best, <laughs> Steve Buscemi or Dave Foley? Oh. I'm Hans Seidemann in Prince Rupert, BC, and I'm joined by... Kalina McCortoff in London, England. Hello, Kalina. This episode left me scarred. Scarred for life. <laughs> mm, you and me both. We also have coming to us from Vancouver, Stu Derek Kodak. Hey there. I'm pretty sure I'm going to go with the tiger mask because if memory serves, it gives you a buff to melee. And so that really works for me. <laughs> I think it's actually dexterity Miami reference. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, and also in Vancouver, we have Trevor Record. Groovy. <laughs> Damn it, I should have gone for that. Trevor, uh we all have a I don't know how controversial that well, anyways, I think you're probably the coolest, hippest forty five year old of the podcast. <laughs> Hans, you <laughs> wish it was you, but let's be honest. Uh okay, well, today we'll be reviewing episode seven of season four, which aired on December sixteenth, nineteen ninety three. Let's kick off with our sketch rundown, shall we? We've got the Beatles. Uh, a sketch where Kevin pretends to not remember who the Beatles are and Dave threatens to kill him as a result. Oh, yeah. Dave promises mm-hmm. to kill him. Promises to kill him, and everyone <laughs> agrees. Everyone agrees. It's it's warranted. We then have uh, Chicken Lady Goes Home, which is a cinematic retelling of uh, the Chicken Lady's memories of her uh, origin story, mm. uh, which sets up her oeuvre oh, gosh. Very, very well, I think. <laughs> It's a little, is, that's you... a little French pun there for uh, just... for all the Quebecois uh, Cut it. crowd. I just, I just really wish you could have chewed those syllables a little more. Just... <laughs> uh, it's not an omelet. Um, oh. Then we have, he's hip, he's cool, he's firing his assistant, in which the he's hip, he's cool, he's 45 guy fires his assistant. But it's groovy. Um, we then have confusing names in which a doctor played by Dave and a patient played by Scott have similar sounding names, confuse their diagnoses, and then uh, decide to jointly dunk on a poor guy who's been diagnosed with brain cancer. Yeah. We then have Things to Do, another cinematic sketch starring Kevin as a man who's got a lot of things to check off his list and won't be deterred by the Reservoir Dogs robbery happening in its midst. Or old ladies. 
Or old ladies. Yeah. I like not old ladies. Old lady oh, yeah, that he knocks word. down. <laughs> plural. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh, and the hurt as the pratfall is great, too, because she just gets bodied. I loved it. I couldn't quite tell if it was an actual old lady or whether I, I it was assumed Scott that was as, as the old lady. old lady dressed up as an old lady because an old lady can't take a fall that well. Man, the 90s were crazy for health standards. Scott played an old lady in another episode that got knocked down and then couldn't get up. So I was wondering if it was Scott, but I couldn't make out the face well enough to, de- to determine that. But mm. anyways, we then have uh, a couple more He's Hippies Cool segments, one in which he interviews an assistant, uh, which is a rube played by Mark, who, uh, you know, slobbers all over his joint. So he's clearly no good. And then when he actually hires an assistant, who's just an attractive blonde young woman who walks into his office and says she wants the gig. Um, and books him uh, a table at a restaurant that serves Japanese or a Japanese restaurant that serves fries on the side. <laughs> and finishing off the episode, we then have Judy and Fran. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fran, played by Scott, the uh, ever beleaguered wife of Gord, played by Bruce, uh, is consoling Judy, played by Dave, who has lost her husband, who got ground up into cat food by accident and is now going to Tahiti to paint young Tahitian boys. <laughs> Not, not photos of them. <laughs> Paint the boys themselves. Paint the boys. But why would you? And there's such a lovely brown shirt. Oh, no. Oh, I, no. I loved oh, it. That's dear. just such peak Fran. I, I, my favorite part of that actually was when Fran is like, you know, there's those, all those people at the funeral had such a pallid gray tone. You always, <laughs> they always say charity starts at home. You should paint them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sweet Fran. All right, well, starting us off, I wanted to have a whole segment devoted to the Chicken Lady origin story. This was um, dark. This was a really dark... Oh, it really was. Wow. Yeah, so, they, I mean... They've always alluded that Chicken Lady's very sad. Every every skit she's in, there's always a big thing about... It's very lonely, or such nonsense, yeah. you know? Well, so here's the thing with this, with this sketch. I mean, first of all, I thought it was fantastic. A tour de force. Uh, but it... Um, <laughs> You know, it, it did it did plumb some some dark depths, and I think one of the things that I thought was so interesting about it was it's I think the first case where we have a character that we've you know seen a number of times in one-off sketches who's just kind of a a figure of mockery, who then well after the fact I mean we're now four seasons in and she was in like the first or second episode of the whole show sort of mm. you know um, so we're now way into this before we we get kind of some depth to the character and and lord what depth it was um, <laughs> there's a lot to talk about in this in the sketch one of the things I think is also interesting is that it's got a real um, you know uncomfortable but not in a bad way parallel with like uh, disability, you know, like, and this mm. person being this outcast and, you know, the, the figure of taunting and all that uh, from the, the high schoolers, the scene where Bruce gets shoved into the room with her and is scarred for life is, is like, that's a real, that's a real dark moment. So anyways, I'm just throwing it out there. What did we all think about this sketch? Did it, did it land? Did it not? What did we love? What did we hate? Oh, it absolutely landed. <laughs> It's it's fantastic. This whole episode. The was chicken so has strong. landed. <laughs> I do. I want to jump on some things. I have thoughts about this episode, but I want to jump on something about Haunted at the end there before we let it pass. Uh, the darkness. One of the things I really like about Chicken Lady is it's always quite bleak and tragic, but she has like she's irrepressibly optimistic. Mm. And I know it makes it a little mm-hmm. bit more sad because she seems a bit oblivious to her own trauma. But like, there's something about it that makes the premise more palatable to me. Mm-hmm. Like it's oh, not yeah. just like she's really depressed and miserable, and you like can taste how like 
it's not as visceral that way and i think it makes it easier to digest the rest of the darkness that they do for like really leading into the backstory i I think as mentioned in the first episode where we have her chicken lady loves life yeah Yeah. (laughs) she put it in her dating profile i always sort of interpreted her disposition as being like a combination of sort of just bird brains obliviousness and horniness she's just like so (laughs) horny and oblivious that she doesn't notice the the depressing reality of her own life that's how it goes can i can i ask i mean is 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 are chickens particularly horny is that is that a thing No, I think that's a special construction of this character. Oh, okay. I, I, I don't know much about animal I behavior. Think that so she I inherits the horniness from, from the father in, in her case. I was going to say. Right. Yeah. Oh. That makes sense. Uh, which which I we we're having a little bit of pre-show discussion. And so uh, where do we land on, on... So here's the thing. I think Mark, the character that Mark plays uh, that has clearly is the father... Um, I think he is <laughs> who Kevin's did the unspeakable husband. that we who did the unspeakable. So I, I guess I guess we have to like set up the scene of of Chicken Lady's birth. Is there is a woman? It's not so much a birth as it is a hatching. A man <laughs> with a, a hammer, and they've just cracked open the egg, and they're horrified to find a human slash chicken hybrid. As Dave says, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's mostly a chicken, but it's also a kid. And <laughs> the, the kid. woman is Kevin. And the the man is uh, Dave, and then it pans mm-hmm. over to Mark, who uh, then like gets blamed for siring this monstrosity and runs away. <laughs> siring. And I I I posit that that's the son of the <laughs> farmer yeah. couple. Yeah, uh, I agree. And yeah. that it's implied that because the mother doesn't murder the chicken baby, the chicken lady baby, that uh, they divorce later. Whereas you're saying, and, see, I, and my position is that Dave's character in this is the is the country doctor or vet who's come to assist them in the delivery of this baby, and that Mark is actually the husband mm. because then when when the chicken lady describes her stepfather having sex with her mother in the room, it's because the father is left, and also I mean there's no there's no Mark uh, ever seen after that. So if it was a brother of some sort, you know mm. why why so wouldn't he I, still and be around? I, I say that that doesn't make sense because. Because why would you have a doctor come to a, a chicken being born? Mm-hmm. Well, chicken I mean, hatching. it's a vet. It could be a vet, and it but could very well be that this a, is a this is a a, a a animal scenario that we have never encountered before. My chicken <laughs> has laid an egg the size of a small toddler. Uh, what do I do, vet? You know, I I don't know. I don't think that usually you have a vet come to watch an egg get hatched. Maybe if there's like a horse giving birth or something, sure. (laughs) All the farmers listening to this podcast, please weigh in. (laughs) Yeah. Was Mark the husband or the son? Is is was Mark the uh brother slash father of the chicken lady or just the father? You let us know. Wait, Um, no, wait, 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 wait. You're set you're you're suggesting Mark might have been the brother of Chicken Lady? Well, because if if Mark is the son of Kevin and some other, you know, father, mm-hmm. then when I mean, it would be an adopted, uh, adopted brother of the chicken lady, and also father of chicken lady. Because then, when chicken what? lady no. gets adopted, because either by either way, mom, either way, Mark fucked a chicken. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely Mark <laughs> fucked the chicken. There's no question that Mark <laughs> fucked the bottom chicken. line here. So Mark is definitely the father, but Mark, may, Mark may also be the husband or may also be the brother. You know what I mean? Anyways. No. Uh, we're, we're getting off on a bit of a tangent. But, <laughs> just uh, a bit. But I mean, I think we all realize this is a like a, just a fantastic sketch. And uh, there, I don't know about the rest of you. I wish they would do more retellings like there this. There is of, clearly of like a lot of sex trauma in 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 Mark's <laughs> psyche too, because like this oh, whole wow. thing is about sex trauma, like not just sex, but sex trauma. Yeah. yeah. The thing that's so great about it, I feel, is is the same thing. The playing off the light and darkness, even as as she walks into the house freaks out the these you know this couple <laughs> in the country she starts just saying hello to the cupboards saying she doesn't remember she has to chuck these knives in the sink because she's not allowed to play with knives picks yeah. up a spoon and says i don't remember this <laughs> that's because it's ours it's i i just thought that was fantastic isn't it also not her house in the end yeah, in the well, end, yeah. she drives oh, wow. like, a block great. down the road, and then she's like, oh, this was actually my childhood home. <laughs> but the bearded lady, her, her, which I, I thought was a sweet touch, that the bearded lady is ever her friend, and yeah. uh, yes. driving her around was, also, was still there. and I always love that Kermit the Frog voice. Kevin does. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One other thing, though, that, that you mentioned, Trevor, that I want to maybe pick up on real quickly before we forget it, is the is like the, the sexual trauma in the mm. sketch, because... I wonder if that informs the chicken lady's like extreme horniness because oh, of she's course. got in, <laughs> in the plumbing of her depth, just to recap for folks that haven't seen the sketch, but like uh, she's born, whatever um, she's the product of some sort of unholy sexual act. Then as a, as a chicken kid, she witnesses Scott, her stepfather and Kevin, her mother having really just weird animalistic sex <laughs> on a, on a springy mattress and gets a shoe thrown at her um, for witnessing this. And then, is like forced into a seven minutes of heaven you, that apparently scarred uh, a teen Bruce for life uh, as a teenager. So she's clearly got some like, you know, she's had some bad sexual experiences. And I wonder if that's what drives her insatiable sexual urges. Well, I thought that was interesting that Kev, or, uh, Trevor was talking about how it informed so much of her being, but also like we were talking about her optimistic personality and it seems to mm. be something that she uses to keep herself going. It's it's weird to see the foundation uh, of the character. Coping like, mechanisms. Coping mechanism, yeah. <laughs> like pretty much. Maybe this time will be different. But like but yeah, like it, that the only thing we really were to say about her as a character was she's very optimistic and she's very horny and her horniness protects her. <laughs> I think that's exactly it. The horniness her optimism is a protects shell her, you mean? that constantly gets regenerates and whenever life cracks that <laughs> shell it just regrows man Into please don't please don't read my journal out loud to everyone Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an overshield for survival oh my god <laughs> my trauma will never hurt me because i'll just grow another horny shell no and you guys laughed at my intro saying we would plumb our trauma for comedy my goodness you I mean, hypocrites it's, it's the only way i've survived this long john's <laughs> Kalina, you sounded like you had something on your mind. Oh, I can't remember, but while I have it on my brain, I, I will say I really enjoyed as she left the house and they said, may God have mercy on your soul. She said, <laughs> you too, eh? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was yeah, a nice Canadian. I like that one. Well, one of the things I liked best about this skit and then it occurred to me as I was watching it is how weird it would be if you had never seen this show before and you just flipped to this yeah. channel. 
because the mm. commitment to the like close-ups and the sort of almost horror-y retelling like it felt it was shot kind of like a horror movie when they did the flashbacks oh it yeah like just... when they were doing the 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 view of the springs yeah uh, underneath the, the bed the, and like the close-up the on scott's gross face from yeah the light seven minutes in heaven they kind of zoom it's... in on bruce getting shoved into the room yeah there's so much like loving attention given to this character and it's so weird it's so fucking weird that they would do like as a viewer it would just be so strange to come across and be like why why does this chicken lady get half an episode what is <laughs> happening here and everyone else is like i don't know it's chicken lady i've seen her before she's horny to worry about I, I would say this does work as a standalone segment though you, oh definitely you, yeah. it, you wouldn't need to know that it's a recurring character but mm-hmm. i'm saying like the shock the shock of seeing chicken lady uh, as a as a bit like they did before is very theatery and I think is easier to, to get like, you're just sort of like, Oh, it's silly boys doing silly things. But to see it in, in more of a film format is like, so you wrote a whole bit about a, ch- a chicken <laughs> lady. Like, it's great. It's just so strange and off putting. Yeah. Now that you mentioned, I do feel like this could have been the first sketch we ever got from her because it is origin story, right? Like, you could be thrown in with this, but of course it does not deplete the shock value by any means. No. <laughs> but well, that was I the love thing that my partner said the other day where he was just like, he's like, you know, I, I mean, again, he's British as I've mentioned before, but he's, <laughs> <Do the accent. laughs> he says, hello, Kalina, he said. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he said, he said so sometimes the difficulty he has with kids in the hall is he feels like, there's something he isn't getting. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's just weird for the sake of it. There's absolutely nothing to yeah. get. Absolutely <laughs> no, nothing. No, I think that's it. Is like the nothing to get is the thing you have to get. You have to be yeah. comfortable with it just not with not getting it. Yeah. I do think it is something you were saying there, or um, Stu, as like, or, or no, sorry, Kalina. As, as, <laughs> we're uh, very similar. Well, whatever. <laughs> the two of you. Let me, let me start we this a little bit. We both have lovely over. hair. We do. <laughs> so the thing that, that you guys are saying that I think is interesting is, is that I think it's better that this sketch comes after we've seen all of the, ki- the chicken lady standing on her own. Like, though this could definitely have been the first sketch, I think... I wouldn't have enjoyed the chicken lady bits as much having known this dark history as I enjoy this sketch, not, you know, having seen the chicken lady before and now having it recontextualized. You know what I mean? Like there's an, Mm. there's an extra bit of humor to me in that it takes this trope that we think we've come to know and kind of not flips it, but like colors it a little bit more, uh, which I don't think I would have appreciated so much if I didn't have all this chicken lady background that was just like frivolous leading into it, you know? But that's that's the mark of a strong sketch, right? Is that you have something that can stand alone and is just fun to watch. And for people who have been following along, you get, yeah, the Mm. the lore layers. Yeah, ooh, yes. Um, One other very small detail I just want to shout out before we maybe move on is when the chicken kid walks in on her parents having sex and uh, well yeah and and like there's a lot of like gross imagery of of like scott in particular i don't know why he looks so gross in this but he does um because <laughs> he drank they, all the gin yeah there's the just gin, liquor bottles everywhere and then the bottles keep smashing <laughs> yeah it's, oh. but scott's scott's like hair and face are just super gross but then when when he turns around and sees the chicken kid and he's like uh, says something about oh chicken kids in here there is a shoe on the bed 
like underneath the pillow for some reason yeah. there's like a boot on the bed next to the pillow for like for no reason and then of course that's <laughs> what he throws at the chicken kid but i'm like how how fucked up is this sex that you just have boots on your pillows like what has been going on to lead to that anyway that you is where i draw the line <laughs> yeah exactly this doesn't make any sense <laughs> not that it was a convenient prop to have on hand no (laughs) it could have been next to the bed it's not a stretch to like reach down and grab a boot to throw it why does it have to be on the pillow anyways hans and inquisitor of sex decorum (laughs) if you've got if you've got boots on your pillow there's i i question your sex but look some people have boot kinks and i'm not gonna name names (laughs) kinky boots all right well i think we've exhausted that subject so we'll move on to our second segment which i've just titled kevin so great um (laughs) and and really this is a segment about the uh things to do sketch which is in i mean i'm struggling to think of a of a kevin heavy sketch that i have enjoyed more over the last four seasons this was what about king of empty promises yeah, you know, but King of Empty Promises, you, I mean, we've we've argued this to death, but I didn't enjoy the second one very much. <laughs> oh, and you guys right. Loved it. Okay, sorry. Continue. Um, so for me, this is this is this is untinged by any you know further uh, degradation of the of the character, but but this was just fantastic, and and it's fantastic for. Uh, well, let's. I'd like to talk about why it's so fantastic. But for mm. me, I think I love this sketch so much because I love Kevin most when he is being confident. And this character is just pure id confidence. Mm. The ability to just like stick to his schedule and be completely undeterred by uh, the Reservoir Dogs movie happening all over <laughs> all around him mm-hmm. um, as as he's being like shuttled around by his kidnappers is is great and like there's something else about the like the wig is great for some reason i feel like kevin doesn't get great wigs oftentimes i feel like maybe the other kids like gave him the off-cut wigs Mm. um but for once they gave him a good wig so he looks fantastic as well um and it just fits very well anyways i love this sketch kevin was great do we agree what do we think made it good oh yeah um i get the sense that a lot of kevin's characters uh are you you know how like we say that there's like a unified Bruce theory. All of Bruce's characters are the same. I think it's no. Simil- I've forgotten this. Can you remind yes, us? Yes, I, 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 I think that with Kevin, it's like all of Kevin's characters are just one aspect of Kevin, and he's stripped away every other personality trait. So just hmm. this kind of like weird obsessive single-mindedness of kevin's he's just like (laughs) taken that of himself and stripped away other every other characteristic that he has and that is what this sketch is about and that's what makes it very good yeah i mean i think that it's like kevin is a very human comedian he puts a lot of vulnerability Mm. in his bits when he's trying to play a person which is very intense and it can be a little off-putting at times and like sometimes when it doesn't land it comes across as more simpering and pitiful i think but when kevin gets to be when kevin is unmoored (laughs) from his humanity when kevin is a force of nature he's just he's so good because i think he has a really good insight into what is funny yeah and so when he gets to just like be a concept he's great on camera i feel like he is making fun of his own flaws though like the King of Empty oh, yeah. Promises is like he knows mm. that he's unreliable sometimes, and that was what that character was. Mm-hmm. This this character, the 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 taskless guy, is just his own like I am going to ignore everything around me because I have to do these specific things. 
Well, he doesn't exactly ignore everything around him. He like starts giving directions to his kidnappers. Like he just he's like, "All right, we're getting kidnapped. All right, uh, you can take me to my uh, stamps appointment. Mm-hmm. I need to go pick up some stamps." Yeah. <laughs> like it's he just he's rolling with the punches, but he's just completely undeterred. Which but is, he is which super is naturally single-minded and focused yeah yeah okay well and, and, and it got me th- about it? <laughs> it got me thinking about like what this sketch so so the construction of this sketch it seems pretty clear to me in the writer's room was okay what if there was re- reservoir dogs but someone had some stuff on their list and he had to keep doing it and he got kidnapped by the reservoir dogs guys and you know whatever that's the that's the central premise no of i feel sketch. like i feel like they would have written it around the character first because if it was written as a reservoir dog send up and don't get me wrong that's a huge component of this sketch but if it was written as that, I feel like they would have framed it as like in the bank, and then we would have been introduced to the Kevin character. Like it, the 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 thing would have been around that concept as it as pastiche. But instead, mm. it's just a component in a larger bit, which is what I think makes it more successful and like kind of stand out. Regardless of how we get there, I mean mm. that the the construction is still the same, which is here's this guy and Reservoir Dogs is happening, right? But it got me thinking, like if you had put anyone else in Kevin's role, like they could have done it, but it would have been a very different sketch. Like if Bruce had had been given that role, it would have been a lot more on the neurotic side of things, Bruce you know, is like probably, kind of like the Bruce is probably he would have been closest. like a my pen version almost on it, right? I, I think Bruce is the closest to being able to pull that off. But yeah, Mark would have had some weird, tan- like, giggly tangent, and Dave would have been more like, like ignoring th- like he would have been more dismissive mm-hmm. and then scott would have been kind of like a bewildered um uh oh what's his not brock not rock hudson but what's his uh what's his danny husk he yeah. would have been more of like a bewildered rock danny husk most version of, of most of the rest of them except maybe bruce would be interested in fleshing out this character whereas kevin sees that mm. this character's single-mindedness and like one dimensionality is his strength and what makes him funny yeah. yeah. And it's it's just nice that Kevin didn't go neurotic with it, like which is I think sometimes his tendency. Like he he really just played the heck out of this character and it was delightful. Oh, I have to yeah. completely um admit that I've been only half listening to you guys because I wanted to try confirm uh <laughs> Kevin's star sign. <laughs> oh my what? Yeah, what are, what are the star you... signs of all the kids? Okay, so okay, just to start, I, I totally okay, this was my guess. I was like, I'm pretty sure <laughs> That Kevin is Taurus Sun, Pisces Moon, and Cancer oh, Rising. Oh my fucking god! <laughs> but, sorry, hold on. Before we go on, we're th- this is going to have to be a new recurring segment, which is Kids <laughs> of the Stars. But continue. Kalina, I love that you speculated his whole chart. Like you didn't. Were I like, know, oh. and, and there's and there's no way that I can know until we somehow pay him for a cameo where he tells us his birth time. Which I mean, I'm saying my birthday's coming up soon. <laughs> So, oh, oh my God. All right, I'm making oh a note. God. Jesus Christ. Thank you. Um, but he is he is a fucking Taurus sun, guys. I'm nice. serious. Okay, <laughs> let me lay this out. Let me lay out the basics here. Um, and I'm not I'm not claiming to be an astrologist. This is from like mostly my meme watching of astrology. So hear me out. But his his at his core, he is a driven guy. If we're gonna if we're gonna like. Keep, characterize uh his his son here he is to-do list man he does not Mm -hmm. give a shit who is in his way he's gonna bull his way towards it he's gonna Uh, force all the kids to listen to his monologue about why he loves dave or whatever it is (laughs) no i think that's why he's he's so willing to get dunked on because he's like doesn't matter mm -hmm. still getting a skit (laughs) yeah yeah 
And 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 um, both the Pisces and Cancer signs are in their water signs. They are they are very sensitive babies. It is that is that is Kevin <laughs> all yeah, the way. And Cancers all right, all cannot right. handle any pressure. They crumble. Oh, so yeah. I just I just feel and I feel like his his will want willingness to connect with the audiences with his uh, uncomfortable vulnerability. That's that's Pisces all the way. And I say that as a Pisces moon. I share half that fucking chart, man. <laughs> Project. Oh wow! Also, I, mean, I, I desperately <laughs> want you to do. I desperately want you to do astrology readings for all of these kids now. Where it's ready. a new recurring bit. It has to be. Please, I love it. <laughs> Carry I, on. I, I don't. I don't think we can. I don't think we can end that segment on a better note. So I say we just oh, move along. But I wanted to talk about Kevin in the intro skit. Go okay, ahead. Fine. He's so good. It occurred to me that like this is probably a thing that has happened at a party. <laughs> And I started speculating in my head about how good it would be to dupe Dave with a bit. Because I bet oh. you Dave gets gets Kevin all the time just being yeah. kind of dry or being sarcastic. But if if you, especially if you as Kevin, could make Dave bite on a bit like that and then just dunk on him in public, that must be just the sweetest victory of all time. You know what, you know what it would be? It's like I used to, I used to be kind of stronger than my stepbrother for our younger years uh and then you know puberty hit and he grew a lot more than me and there was i used to like you know we'd we'd get into fights and scraps and i'd beat him up or whatever and then he'd go running and crying but there was one day (laughs) in high school where he like where he like jokingly punched me and i let out a bit of a like a yelp like ow Mm -hmm. and i could see the fire lit in his eyes where he was like oh (laughs) the power has shifted (laughs) and i was like oh no Oh, like God, I'm in God. danger. <laughs> in his mind, you turned over to little man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and like I can imagine that Kevin doing that to Dave would have a very similar the uh, God's you know, vibe. Lead. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <yes>. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, speaking of this, uh, let's move on to our next segment, which is just best kid, worst kid. Let's talk about who our favorite uh, and worst kids of the episode were. If there were those worst kids. We've been having some some all I, solid, all I, good kids uh, episodes yeah, lately. I don't know if there were any worst oh, kids. Man. I'm interested to hear if anyone has a worst kid. No one did bad today, I don't think. No one did bad. If we're if we're sticking to our old format where we have to pick a worst kid, I would go with Scott just because he's not in anything really. Well, I think but, he's in Fran. He's Fran. He's in the. He's Fran. Yeah, yeah his Fran's good. Uh, I'll give a worst kid, no, and I'll give it to Bru- I'll give it to Bruce, just because I I know I think you guys like the He's Hippies Coolies Forty Five, yeah, but I thought I this it. was I thought this was a weak batch of He's Hippies Coolies Forty Five. I liked his no, earlier batch I, better. I like this batch because they're trying to establish what this forty five year old guy is like at work, and it's not clear what mm-hmm. he does, but it's like oh somehow he's in a position of power despite being a cool guy, and it's like what does he do? I don't know. It's an advertising company. No, or Dude, I'll tell you what he does because he is exactly like every media lawyer I ever met in school. Yes. He is, yeah, he's working for a record company or something, and he's like, "I'm just like really chill, but you're fired." Well, he's watching a lot of TV, so I figure he's like a TV. Yeah, uh, he's either some sort of TV executive so or lawyer or something. He's like a that, lawyer yeah. or something like that. You know, I, I don't know if I buy it though, because even that said, I just don't buy the he's hip, he's cool guy going to law school. Well, oh, I could but, see him being like a, an ad executive or something like that. No, but like, it, it could be. I, I would argue that there would be lawyers because there was a bunch of hippie lawyers who were like, they can't keep us out of the system, man. 
In our in our <laughs> universal Bruce theory, is he the follow up to Bobby from Bobby? No, he's he's the bank guy goes and gets a job in the in the ad he industry. He unsells out. Uh... I, I don't I don't see it quite as as on the timeline, honestly. Although I will say, mm. I liked his wisdom in making the uh, the candidate smoke weed and be like, "You're right for the job." But, but the job's not right for you. But the job the job wasn't right for him and it's Trevor when we were watching it. Because he because he slobbered on the joint. No, it's not because so he slobbered I on guess. the joint, it's because he's a square. That's what he said. Well he he said that No, he said he's, he's a square. He, says it. he wouldn't he like says the job. He wouldn't like the yeah, job okay. and it was like, look, he's too up he knew he was too uptight just walking in in the suit, and then Trevor pointed out when we were watching, he was like, Oh, he didn't inhale, which was a meme of the time. Yeah. Uh, and then I th- I thought the slobber on the joint was like and he's a big like not only is he a square who shouldn't work here and he won't fit in but and he ruined the thing i like and i'm just so cool you should well anyways bruce is still my worst kid all right and (laughs) and my my best kid is kevin because obviously kevin was fantastic although honorable mention to mark for a standout chicken i still want to push against this because it's like you're saying that it's not even like these hippies cool ones are bad it's just not the best ones he's done and it's like whoa mm. like if like that is what you're basing it on it's it's weak sauce. i'm basing it off of it's a very good episode and i'm just arbitrarily picking the worst one and in my mind the worst one is bruce i'm not saying bruce was bad i'm, I'm say, saying it, it, the bruce was the worst bruce, the you, worst of the best is still right pretty now, good look don't don't listen to Hans. you did you did great <laughs> We're doing we're doing I'm not, last, I'm not even we're saying doing worst badly. kid as a nostalgic throwback to how we used to do it, but I think, and I think you'll all agree with me, this falls under our new umbrella of no bad boys. No bad boys. No bad boys. Yeah. Generally, this was, generally this was true, a no yes. bad boys episode for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean we got very close to some some bad lines uh about Tahiti <laughs> in Judy and Fran, but that's the closest oh, yeah. we got oh, to sure. anyone Most having to be, be struck off the line. That just have Oh, I know. Views. Oh, I so know. Yeah, yes. I got it for the character. It's true. it's true. I mean, it's it's Fran, right? But anyways, the rest of you are all uh, avoiding saying who your best kid was for the episode. Oh, my, <laughs> my best kid is definitely Mark. Uh, this was a, a, a chicken lady yeah. tour de force. So he gets it for the... <laughs> he really just dives into the, the dark history of chicken lady. Uh, a, yeah. a, a dark history no one asked for, but we received nonetheless. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I'm going to totally agree. I'm going to say Mark all the way. I mean, he he takes both Chicken Lady and the father of Chicken Lady so well uh, and mm. then goes on to be a square assistant to Bruce um, who never makes it and just really yeah, drools all over a joint. I, it just, yeah, he he didn't have any other big part aside from from his own sketch, but that, that bowled us over, I think. Kevin I also did man. great, though. Oh, no, Stu's gonna back me up. Let's yeah. go, boy. No, <laughs> Everyone, I'm, I'm... shut up. He's backing off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm with Hans. Like, I, I think Kevin was the best. Honorable mention to Mark. The only reason I gave it to Kevin is because I really like the Beatles. So, I, it's like a little kicker, mm. you know? Yeah, yeah. No, fair enough. And I, that's part that partly figured into mine as well is that he was good in that right. first uh, cold open as well. Fair enough. All right, and then finally, let's finish off with our standout sketch. There's <sighs> no worse sketches today. Just our standout mm-hmm. sketch with a rating out of five, and let's keep it short and quick. Uh, Kith Pals. So, Kalina, uh, why don't you start us off? Chicken Lady Goes Home, five knives in the sink out of five. <laughs> <laughs> sure, why not? 
Uh, Trevor, how about you? Uh, things to things to do is very iconic. Oh, uh, things to mm. do. I think is gonna have to end up in our list of like uh, the clean the cleaner like suggested list of sketches you have to watch to understand the show. Um, I think that it's a, a really good one because you don't need to be familiar with the show to enjoy it too, and that. Mm. Uh, that the squares and normies that usually don't care much for kids in the hall would also probably <laughs> at least understand its appeal. Or it would distress them, which is bonus points for me. Well, I thought <laughs> so anyway. how many how many how many animal masks out of five, Trevor? Oh, I would I would give it uh yeah, I, I'm gonna give it four and a half animal masks out of five. It's a really good one. Nice. Stu, how about you? I'm going to go, he's hip, he's cool, he's firing his assistant, because I'm just so cool, I don't care what you think. <laughs> Get off my show. Oh, boy. <laughs> Too cool for numbers, too, I see. Absolutely. Fair enough. You know which one I really like, laughed out loud a lot for uh, that I didn't really remember at all was that uh, the doctor mix-up sketch, too. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That had. I was trying to remember um, what it was before, but when... You know when Dave gets given his cancer news and he is isn't upset. Oh yeah. Was yeah, Scott yeah. the doctor in that one? Yes, I think he was. So this is just this is like a total they I mean really, I, I think they have got really great good chemistry. chemistry when they were yeah, when they work together. Mm. I just love in that sketch how he stays he allows the patient to stay in the office so that they can oh, give yeah. the terminal yeah. news to the other patient. That's I read good. that as like I bet you Scott and Dave teamed up on the other members when they were feeling spicy because they're both pretty <laughs> spicy people they're spicy boys <laughs> i could see them joining forces to be shitheads i really like that well i'm gonna join trevor for my standard sketch on uh things to do because despite how excellent the chicken lady uh, intro was it uh it felt sad to me in a very specific way that like you know it, it's not as purely enjoyable as the things to do was which is just a wonderful romp so i give i give things to do uh four and a quarter stamps out of five nice all right, nice. All right. Nice. oh also i love right. i love how unapologetically yes. canadian this episode was they yeah lines. they had a canada post office they had, canada they money. had yeah. The they had the Canadian money. They had the chicken lady saying, "And you too, eh?" Yeah, uh, which was a very <laughs> yeah. Canadian kind of way to sign off. Uh, when they say, "What was the line?" Um, God, God have mercy on your soul. Yeah, yeah. You too, yeah. Eh? and you too, eh? Yeah. <laughs> for, for our Canadian so, listeners, yeah. by the way, I want to defend our money because I understand that it's almost like a bit of a, a meme in the internet that our money looks weird <laughs> to them. But it looks it's like, like Monopoly money. Yeah, it, and it makes so much sense though because we can tell what kind of money we're using just by looking at its color. Yeah, yeah. It's so it's so handy. Yeah, so nice. I haven't used money for months. <laughs> oh god. god. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even remember last time I touched cash. The point is moot. Yeah. It's only for drugs now. <laughs> yeah. Now it. It's 2021. We use Bitcoin now, Daddy. Oh god. All right. <laughs> Musky. <laughs> <laughs> all right well that's it for our episode seven season four review all right join us next week for our season four episode eight review which will be hosted by kalina yeah. in the meantime you can find us on twitter at kith and tell pod please weigh in on your favorite sketches let us know whether you think kevin or mark was the uh brother or the oh husband to action Oh, boy. And join and, and enjoy all of our delightful gifts from the gift mine. Thanks for listening to Kip and Tell. See you next week. Bye. Bye.
Dude. there's the door. Why don't you get acquainted with it? <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs>